shining a beacon on the bazaar. Hellfire, quick, get out of the lighthouse, our kid. It's an what, earthquake. What, what? Oh my god, get ah. outside in case the light collapses. <laughs> oh god, Jesus, it's a rumbler. Oh god, I'm falling it's, over the place here. It's gonna fall down. It's a lighthouse, gonna stand it. Oh, I think you can. It's, it's oh, all right, we're out, we're out. Oh my god, we're gonna be careful. You see, it's gonna be like a tsunami. Oh my god, it happens, doesn't it, after earthquakes? Jesus Christ, it's terrible. It's still rumbling on now. Oh my god, look at it wobbling. I can actually see the lighthouse wobbling. This is terrible. This is one of the worst things that's ever happened at Cracking it. This could be over. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at this. Oh fuck! Look at this guy. What's up? What's it? It's what? pink. What's a pink? The pink sky. What's? It's a reveal. It's a fucking gender reveal, bastards! Oh they nearly killed us this time. They nearly killed us. Why are they going to go for tactical nuclear weapons to oh so what? Because they're having a little girl. It's insane. The fallouts could be awful for the next six months. Oh my god. Oh, the gender revealers are at it again. Now I'm a get it as Jesus. up with them? Good. Well, by the looks of things, though, I think the actual the curve, the lighthouse doesn't look too bad. There's a little bit of a filling in you'll have to do later exactly. on. I don't, I don't mind mean. the filling in, but it's covered in bloody pink, shitty powder. Oh no, it looks like a massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> a skybrater? Looks like a skybrater. That's a, that's a bit of a callback to one of the previous episodes of Crack and Curve, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And today we're going to shine our light through a pink mists mm. onto other strangenesses, oddness and weird stories that we've discovered, right? So I think because of all that shocking things now, what we need outside, how about a couple of deck chairs? That's nice, yeah, yeah. it's a sunny day, nice breeze. And if, they, you know, if the lighthouse does fall down, we won't kill us, will we? <laughs> yeah, let's give it an hour and see what happens. <laughs> let's do some casting. Because we've had a bit of a gender reveal scare there, haven't we? You know, I think what we should try and keep on track and sort of think to ourselves, what's going to be the first boat out of the harbour? And of course, it's more gender reveal madness. <laughs> a madness it is. <laughs> but this one, I, this is my favourite one they've done so far, right? All right yeah. And this comes from Tim. Oh, this comes from. Peter Smith for the Daily Mail Australia. Ah, so, so they're doing them in Australia as well. Yeah, the, what the uh, the gender reveals mm, all yeah. over the world, mate, all over the world. Crikey. So couple order a gender reveal snack pack with their child sex discreetly hidden beneath a mound of chips and kebab meats. Oh, <laughs> that's wrong. Just the Australians. <laughs> So there's a Turkish eatery called Istanbul in uh, Paramatta, which is in uh, Sydney, it's the west yeah. side of Sydney, right? And they received an unusual request from soon-to-be parents keen to announce the gender of their child to loved ones. So the restaurant chef said in a video posted on TikTok, they mm. said, today we have something special that we are doing. We've got a gender reveal. These guys wanted it in a snack pack. I don't know what snack pack is, oh, really. Is it just like, you're just eating your kebabs straight out of the 
of a box or something. <laughs> I've, I've <a> been. I've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just been late. Yeah. <laughs> so in the clip, the kitchen staff pour a basket of hot chips onto a sheet of paper before covering them with shredded cheese and meat. Mm. That's quite nice, actually. That. That's all right. <laughs> well guilty. <laughs> So this snack pack is going to have barbecue sauce, the worker says, drizzling on the topping before taking the platter out to the group. And he says, they've started now. The results will come in about half an hour. God, how big is this? So this is a thing that gets me. Do you want to have a little look at what it looks yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me have a closer, hungry look at these. Oh, I don't know, actually. There. No, just that bit, don't, it's just like some it's fucking... It's basically just a pile of... Fucking chips and meat. It is a cow pat of food, isn't yeah, it? You know like, what I mean? Yeah, but the thing is, what I'm figuring is these guys are all just sort of tucking in, it? It's like yeah. animals. You know, just like with hands and all greasy, terrible hands. Yeah. And it's like share plate, isn't it? I don't want to share some of these hands going in. Absolutely <laughs> horrible, isn't it? So a time-lapse segment shows the group picking away at the meal until it disappears, leaving the metal plate visible through the grease-soaked paper. Oh, this is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> reveal the greasy baby. <laughs> now it's time for the reveal, the chef says, reappearing at the table to help them unveil the secret message. Or the group may do a countdown, right, before lifting the tray to find a second platter hidden underneath. With the word, it's a girl inscribed on felt tip pen on it. <laughs> oh, that's so cheap and nasty. It is, I thought it was going to be like brown and it's like a food baby. It's just I a mean, big pool. <laughs> it says here that the crowd can be heard gasping in excitement at learning the expectant couple will soon be locking their daughter. I don't think they are. I think they're probably just wheezing. I've got to say, <laughs> it's just like the chilli sauce or something. It's just like... <sighs> I mean, it's just... Uh, it's the worst. I mean, somebody says romance isn't dead. Somebody said oh. another. This is one of the comments on the actual. The comment says somebody said romance isn't dead, and somebody said another comment said I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll concede against the kebab shop wall or something on a late night. Oh, that's where it all yeah. began. You know. I mean, the thing is, it's like you know, you, you just reveal it. it doesn't say either. it. Just says it's a coronary bypass. <laughs> Picking at meats and cheese and chips. Well, then she'll be pregnant as well. It's not the kind of food. She's pregnant with baby and she's hammering away at kebab and chips. Mm. Come on. You, you know, you want to be putting a bit of decent. Exactly. Have a bit of class, love. Have, yeah, a, have bit a bit of, of class. class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I ain't had a kebab in years. I had a fancy one the other day. It was, you know, like oh, instead yeah. of the elephant foot shavings, it were like yeah. you know, it were like it were lovely. You know what I mean? It was like a bit of a do-it-yourself because I had a nan and we all yeah. all that. But yeah, it was nice. But I hadn't had elephant foot for no. for a long time. But I think yeah, but I think a good kebab is quite good. But the elephant's yeah. foot, not the elephant's yeah, foot. Yeah, the elephant. If you get a mixed kebab, with, you know, with chicken, a little bit of elephant's foot. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it, you know. Just so. <laughs> Especially if you're dragging your foot around half cut, you know. <laughs> I can definitely go for it. But sober, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like on a, you know, like a Tuesday night or something. I'll be yeah. like, no, no, you got to look at you. Yeah. How can you look yourself in the mirror smelling like that when you're going into the work next day? It is. It, it's your, when you wake up and you smell your hand, you're like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? And then it's the toilet at work. Exactly. It's just pure lard, and then the meat comes. <laughs> <laughs> the lad plug. <laughs> so in a weird way, though, this particular gen- uh, sort of gender reveal has been just as dangerous as all the others, hasn't it? If not more. <laughs> just a slower burn, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's catch up with him next week. <laughs> Father's dead now. Dead. Yeah. Just dead now. That's all he's doing. Dead. Baby's dead too. <laughs> Everyone's dead. <laughs> Couldn't handle the fucking Donovan. <laughs> 
comes out like an elephant's foot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. It just comes out like a big tube. Oh, mate. God. It's gorgeous. Oh, let's draw a veil over that. Yeah. <laughs> subject of elephants <laughs> oh sweet my friend sweet it's like you know you think uh, elephants dying out unfortunately yeah, yet yeah. again you yeah. know yeah. I mean, they've been endangered then it says oh they're not so endangered anymore so everybody kills them and it's yeah. all you know, they're they're really endangered and now they're really endangered yeah. and, you know leave the elephants alone for christ's sake come on <laughs> another big easy target but, <laughs> but not really to replace the elephant but um, it's, this is something that's actually been a new development. And scientists have developed a low-cost elephant trunk robot using 3D printing technology. Mm -hmm. Right, and this comes from 3D Printing World, right by um, Kubister Doglu. That's mm -hmm. quite a name. I don't know why you say that. Yeah. But, um, but it also came from something that I read by in New Scientist by a friend of the show, Matt Sparks. He writes, for, he writes for New Scientist. Cool. Top lad is Matt Sparks as well, uh, a long-standing mate of mine, a uh, long-standing reader of My Bits and Bats and Bobs. Ooh. But um, he actually went into the side of things a little bit more about the, the uh, AI technology, the artificial intelligence technology, whereas these lot are very happy on the 3D printing world side of things. Yeah. But it, it covers it all, so we'll have a little look at this stuff. So a team of researchers from the University of Tübingen uh, and the Graz University of Technology have 3D printed a robotic arm capable of mimicking the movement of the elephant's trunk. Right? Yeah. Now it's, it's equipped with a gripper on the tip. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm that so tempted, I'm not going to go for it. <laughs> I'm behaving. Yeah, so the uh, 3D printed robot machine, it, it uses um, the FDM printer. I don't know what FDM stands for, but I'd imagine it's sort of in a weather. Uh, printed robot uses machine learning to roam around and adapt to new tasks, such as picking up marbles and placing them on podiums. So what they've done is they've given it the technology to move and get around, mm. um, but they've not taught it anything. Wow! And it can teach itself. And that's what it's doing. Free, it's teaching yeah. itself, and it's what the way they're working is the individual sections by the sounds of things, have sort of like, almost like learning capabilities with each little item. Yeah. So because, I'll, I'll show you a quick picture of it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not going to do it still. I'm not going to do it still. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the idea of a big squirmy thing, right? It looks like a Lego wanger. <laughs> I think you've been a bit kind about saying it looks like an elephant's trunk. I mean, if you tip that on its side, there, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive droopy it's, doodle. It's metal Mickey's cock. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it right? So it's like um, <clears throat> the co-author of the new science says, "Our dream is that we can do this in a continuous learning setup where the robot starts without any knowledge and then tries to reach goals. While it does this, it generates its own learning examples. And that's the particular genius of it. You just set it goals." Yeah. yeah. And then it may be learning to work in ways that we might not even think about working Whoa. because we or don't. Killing you. It's easy to learn quickly. Yeah, just say, um, make meat soup. <laughs> 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 you are meat. <laughs> 
But the elephant's trunk is one of the evolution's finest works. They're equal parts, flexible and strong, and provide elephants with a level of dexterity that you don't often see in the animal kingdom. And as a result, they are the source of inspiration for many modern bionic projects in academia, with pneumatic actuators often acting as artificial muscle fibres to achieve bending and extension. Now, I think it's a really good idea, this. I think it could be used for all sorts of things. Mate, I love it that, you know, like, when you get a robot and it just looks like a human, it's just like, oh, fuck off, you know, yeah. I want something really weird and, like, with elephant trunk arms yeah. and noses and stuff, that'd be right, it'd be super cool. There's loads, there's loads of areas where they think they could be able to do this and be able to put these in different sort of, like, uh, um, situations where, well, how could anybody do that? Yeah. And if you think even, like, a large version on, like, a space station or doing moonwalks, yeah, getting out it. just with an artificial arm, it's sort of like that for you. <laughs> Putting a marble on a podium in <laughs> anti-gravity. <laughs> Who's going to do this shit? <laughs> I know. Who's the fucking boss, Nick Wanger? <laughs> Get Metal Dicky on it. <laughs> boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> I'm to think of his catchphrase, man. <laughs> <laughs> but look, come on, let, that, right? As we've seen with a lot of these things, right? We, when they're talking about robots these days, right? We talk about we we see these um, terrifying dog creatures with a, a, a like a robot yeah, eye, yeah. sort of marching in a sinister way all over the place, they're right? Bad, but when we talk about people say, well, the future of sort of like robots really is to create people. That's what they're trying yeah, to make yeah. out of them. And the only place they're actually making people that look like pe- people is. Sex industry, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll just come out on top. You know what I mean? Well, this is it. But then again, I think the, the, it's not going to be long before they get the technology that Metal Dicky's made of here, is yeah. it? Oh, so squirmy rooted part two. You are. You're going to have an intelligent <laughs> wanger, <laughs> wanger that can do all sorts Ooh, of shit. The Mickey T afterwards. <laughs> Wash it first. Well, this has got a little tip on the end as well. It's like a little hand. Maybe sort you out and <laughs> give it a go. I went to, I went to an L. <laughs> I went to an elephant show once. It was fucking traumatic, mate. What? It was fucking Good awful. Job. I went to an elephant show once. It was outside Bangkok. And you had to like drive for ages and ages and ages and it got really industrial and it got like really like jungly and then it was suddenly there just in middle of nowhere. Oh my god. And it was like a you know like a really bad concrete kinda of like a, what's that one in real Coliseum. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh a my really god. bad concrete Coliseum, you know what I mean? It was all dirty and nasty and that. And you could have sat on the, you know, like Coliseum kind of. Oh, yeah, like, like terrace steps. Yeah, so kind of terrace steps and that. Now I'm the only white dude there and that. And I'm just like, you know, having a load of beers and my snacks and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what, what? Did you know it was going to be an elephant yeah, show? Yeah, we went to see an elephant show. You know, they were all dragging me along, you know what I mean? Go see the elephant. You haven't seen an elephant, come see an elephant show. And I really want fussed. I'm a bit over it, really hot. You know <laughs> what I mean? Fussed? <laughs> <laughs> say that, oh, no, I'm really against the cruelty to elephants. No, I just well, couldn't give a I'll, shit. And I'm out of I've been to a crocodile show once and nearly fucking bath, man. It was disgusting. <laughs> Same situation, really hot, really hot. But we went and they trooped all these poor elephants out, man. It was so depressing, you know what I mean? Oh, no. And they're getting them painting, and you can tell they didn't want to paint, and one were on a ball, and that, you know what I mean? No, then, then on a ball! On a ball, they were trying to get it on a ball with sticks, and that, you know what I mean? They were like, oh, no. beating it onto a ball, you had no choice at all. And then they saw me, white man, and they were trying to get me out, I'm like, no, 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 no. Beating you with sticks and getting <laughs> on a ball? I'm not doing ball tricking your dick out. Yes. <laughs> Every laughing. <laughs> Throwing peanuts and bottles at you. 
Penis one too bad actually. I'll grab it though. That won't go up. I'll just start. We're gonna get mauled by an elephant. You're some deranged yeah. elephant. I'm, like, I'm not gonna get killed by an elephant. <laughs> and they're getting right funny about me not going down here because they all want to see the white man <laughs> throw monkey nuts. What, you just sat there, what the other white guy? Telling him I was just like, off. no, no, no. You know, crossing my hands like proper, like whatever language on earth. The thing is as well, like, <laughs> how racist is it? Can you imagine the white thing. Everyone look around. And say, There's a black person up there. <laughs> get him get down. Him <laughs> Get him on ball. <laughs> it's so rich. It is. Well, just minding me on business. Like, oh, look. You know, we're like, no, I am not playing today. I lost sister right annoyed with me. Because we go down. Going to spoil the show. They spoil already. We're awful. Look, look at these poor elephants. The this cat will give pain and tell you that. I'm not shit. <laughs> it won't worth the money. They just paid fuck yeah. off for me. I didn't look like a fucking horse. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen one. Perfect art. Yeah. Just with the right long nose. Oh, come on, mate. Think outside the box. Oh, so what happened to this allegation? Oh, it was fucking disgusting. What, what didn't happen at this allegation? <laughs> I had the photo. You know when you take a photograph and you think, this is the, my photograph. It will like the photograph of my life. This is before I even saw the crocodiles. But you go outside Bangkok again, lung over in a minibus with loads of people in it. And you get there, and, you know, it's really weird and dirty and old, you know what I mean? You don't feel like... And there's like a, a drugged-up tiger laid out, and you can get... And it's chained up proper oh, tight, and you can take awful. photos. Obviously, I didn't take photos with it. it was just You're going down, and it's like, oh, no, the animal... Trust it. But then we were, like, stopped in baking hot sun. Again, I'm sipping a beer. You can buy beers anyway. Tyler, I'm just like, your beer. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. And I looked in this... You know, you're, like, looking, thinking, oh, shit, you know what I mean? There's a tiger in, enclosure. And they had um, this is a golden retriever in there. I'm just like fuck that. And I'm saying to our last, what what's dog in there for? You know what I mean? He's going to eat the dog. And the peanut seller lady went next to it, say no, no, no. You know, when there were pups, dog's mother died, and they chucked them in with tiger cubs, and they grew up together. You know, I'm like Whoa. wow, that's incredible. You know what I mean? Then golden retriever gets on the back of the tiger and starts scuttling it. You know. <laughs> I took a photo. I had a photo of it before. Of a bro. golden retriever yeah. fucking but, a tiger. Yeah, <laughs> but later on, just cut, cut the long story short. Oh, you go, you go into this, and it stinks. It stinks <laughs> to these things, and they're massive. They're is all, it crocodiles or alligators? I don't know. I don't know what they're fucking are. They're massive. They're massive bellied, and they're all and there's not enough water to go around, and they're all laid on top of each other. Then you're on, you know, the wooden walkway above it, oh, all no. creaking. And it's all old, and you're thinking, if my foot goes, if something breaks, I'm just in, in, in there. amongst the crocodiles. <laughs> and then Paul comes out, and he's throwing chicken, all these horrible chickens at him, and they're all snapping and rolling over, and that. I'm just like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm going to bath all over him. You know eat that and roll around yeah. in it, and he's bathing, and everybody's bathing. <laughs> Slipping in it, and everybody's going in. Not trying to get a white man in there with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the deal that when you go for a show and that bloke puts his head in it and he oh, oh, no. man, and I couldn't I can't take it it was just too much too many emotions were going on that day I just couldn't handle it got right fainty in car over that like give me more beer quickly quickly just pour it in I'll wow all right. well I think well, what we need I think the safest thing for all of us is really we need uh, fake crocodiles made out of like that can think for yeah, themselves yeah yeah we need fake bloody elephant trunks for yeah. that and then kill we, a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> 
Who needs the gross? The proper gross and dangerous. Kill them all. That dirty, they're not that pink friendly lad there. <laughs> That'll wank you off and all. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bonus. <laughs> When we tacked for old once more For the planting and the purling And the berry fields of where We'll meet up with our kinfolk From all the world around When the gang of bird folk Tack the road And yellow's on the broom When yellow's on the broom When yellow's on the broom And I'll get you on the road again well, the good thing in our arcade is that it's all opening up a bit, and that was a big holiday for you in Thailand, wasn't it? Yeah, time? yeah. It's, it's time to have another holiday, I think. Ooh, lovely. I'd like, I'd love an holiday. And I think it might have found the right place that you might Sweet. like. Right? What do you think about by the water? Yes. And then it's amongst the forest and Ooh, stuff like that. A bit of forest, don't like, get yeah, much of that. This is quite nice. And it's um, South Carolina. All right, never been to, yeah. to the old Americas. Yeah, so it's uh, this, uh, this is a lake called. Um, uh, alcohol and drug abuse lake. All right, so you just go <laughs> abuse yourself at a lake. That sounds That's the actual name of the lake. Wow. It's called Alcohol and Drug Abuse Lake. It's an actual place. No, really, it is, right? Oh. And this is uh, by Kyle Jager, right, for Marijuana Moment magazine. <laughs> <laughs> marijuana Moment? I just have a moment of just marijuana. Just a bit of a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and get bad to your work, so like I was a forklift driver or something. Yeah. <laughs> Back on the HGV. <laughs> Wow, 10 mile an hour. <laughs> feel like I'm flying. <laughs> I think it's 110. Oh, is it 10? It's 110. So spend some time researching the uh, official federal database of geographical landmarks, uh, and you're bound to come across some delightfully colourful names. And the case in point is Alcohol and Drug Abuse Lake in Richmond County, South Carolina. Ooh. A recent TIL, or Today I Learned thread on Reddit, elicited similar interest but no clear answers as to why it got its name. Though county officials didn't confirm with Marijuana Moment by the time of publication, it seems reasonable to assume that Lake was named after the Drug and Alcohol Abuse Treatment Centre, Morris Village, situated adjacent to the waters. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't it? I mean, it, If he didn't have a name beforehand, you're just like, you know, that lake, which lake, you know, next to that drug place. It <laughs> doesn't even trip off the tongue, does it? Drug, alcohol and drug abuse lake. Can you shout, what's, if you took every initial, what does that spell? <laughs> A-D... A-D-A? All right, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that might be rude. I <laughs> Yeah, true. It doesn't fall off the tongue, does it? No, you don't. Mm. You, 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 it, maybe you, I don't know what you'd call it, something like that. Off your tits, like. Yeah. Or Alky Lake. Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds quite good, actually. Yeah, we'll call it Alky Lake if it were me, yeah. <laughs> no, just call it Alcohol Lake. Alcohol? Yeah, Alcoholic. Ah, that was very smart. Ah, we right, the old Benny head there. Well done. <laughs> well we've done. done. We've done better in about 20 seconds than these lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. We just died. That would have been loads of lakes more. Need naming. We could do it. Yeah, like that. we're good fun. Yeah. So then there's Drug Island near the southern tip of Alaska, mm. and they reckon that's from the the local name was apparently attributed to the island by the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey in 1920. 
It's a bit of a weird one. Shit like a massive bong. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. Well, funnily enough, we do have Bong Bridge. Oh. <laughs> Technically named after the US Army Air Corps pilot Richard Ira Bong. Wow. <laughs> the bridge connects Duluth, Minnesota, and Superior, Wisconsin. So Bong Bridge Ooh. is a reefer creek. <laughs> Stoner <Sweet>. Lake. <laughs> so these are all good places for a little bit of an holiday, really, yeah. isn't it? You know? Get me booked. Get you booked in. <laughs> Well, do you want to go on holiday anyway? You're going on holiday. You're going to go back to Thailand. I don't, I'm a bit scared of Thailand at the moment. To be honest with you, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, it's changed. It's really changed recently. And family, I don't know. I love them. I love them. But I'm just little Joe. He nearly died last time he went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have no wish to go. I don't want to go anywhere hot. I've decided I don't like I don't, hot yeah. places. No. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't get on in hot places very well. I do, because my eczema goes, you know, when flakiness go, totally goes away, and I'm like a, a proper fully grown Benny when I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not, no. I just get all sweaty and hot, and I just like play. I like cold. Yeah. I like cold. I want to go Iceland. I, I was just about to say, that. But bring your own booze. It's apparently it's so expensive yeah. the booze it's real mega tax didn't it yeah, yeah you know. it's really bad bring your own booze what are we going to do turn them with a couple of carrier bags <laughs> yeah, and cans <laughs> proper shopping bags and suitcases and everything. little keg on wheels and stuff <laughs> <laughs> one of them hats with whiskey balls <laughs> hi guys all up and the next thing you wham no he froze to death he didn't have any coat with him or anything <laughs> only <laughs> had a special boot to keep himself warm <laughs> But the Northern Lights, and you can see Wales and the Northern Lights <coughs> in one kind of place, and that's to one of my like very bucket lists. Yeah, love to I'd love to see all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's like you know these uh, these um, those hot springs. I want to see Ooh, lava. I'd love yeah. to see sort of all that kind of malaria. The hot springs in Iceland. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. The, the um, Iceland it doesn't have like. Um, uh, what's his name? You know, power plants or anything like that. All oh, right, yeah. They don't have like nuclear power. <gasps> is it just from the hot hot springs? That's oh, what powers sweet. the island is powered by geothermal activity. Oh, that is so good. It's really cool, isn't it? So, I always off subject, but on subject. Um, I always, you know, like in James Bond movies when they've got them kind of ski villagey chalet type things. Oh, you know, yeah, what I mean? I mean, I've yeah. always wanted to go to one of them. That does look, you know, for a cold holiday. I yeah. Want, I wouldn't like to ski, but I just want. There's only one problem with, uh, with areas like that. Yeah. Isn't it? Full of dickheads. Oh, course. Yeah. I'll reach. Yeah. I went on to a little shop when I was on the mainland that's also like high-end charcuterie and wines oh, and yeah. things. Like I was doing a bit, running a bit of an errand, right? Yeah. And um, there was a couple, an older couple in there, and they were sort of like lamenting the fact that they couldn't go on holiday. So they're saying um, they're getting served at the shop, and they have like, oh, you could have. They're making things as well, right? Yeah. And. I said, um, oh, well, seeing as we can't go to Val d'Azur this year, we'd better have the raclette. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I, I think like I think he's basically just cheese and sauce. It's just like, oh, you know what I mean? But no. it's with a simperingly just name oh. drop that couldn't go to Val d'Azur this year. I'm not a mugging sort of person, but I, I hear that kind of chat and everything. I'm waiting outside for you guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking everything you've got, man. <laughs> I'm pushing him in dog shit. <laughs> Stay away from abroad. The yeah, whole idea of elephants and tigers and things like that, <laughs> yeah. and the idea of like um, you know, sort of like drugged up lakes and things. Yeah, it's, it's ski resorts full of dog shit. And yeah, no, <laughs> don't want anything like that. We need to, we need to go somewhere a bit bit closer to home. So why do we go to Wales? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Something nice Wales, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I've been through Wales. I'm dying to go and stay in Wales for a while. I'd love yeah. to do that, right? So this is a story by Robert Harris, the senior reporter for Wales Online. Wow, and this is a story, and it's the headline is. The mystery of the house, abandoned by its owners, 
who can hear screaming from the basement. Wow, that's good. Yeah. That's like screaming skull, isn't it? Yeah, this is a bit of a bit of a weird one, this. There is a house in a Welsh town at the centre of a mystery which has seen its owners fleeing the country in utter terror. <laughs> so petrified are they about the sounds that they can hear underneath their home that they refuse to step foot inside it ever again. The police have been called out but the sound of screaming coming from underneath the basement has not been identified, but they are convinced there is something going on below the ground. The claim may sound outlandish, like something from Hollywood horror, but there are recordings that the owners have made inside the property which they say prove the existence of a dark, sinister secret. And it all started one night in June 2018. The owners, Alan and Christine Tate, were up late at the Allenford house when the latter went to the kitchen to make a coffee. While stood over the kettle, she was convinced that she could hear strange noises and went to inform her husband. Women and children screaming, heavy knocking, men talking in a foreign language were just some of the sounds that disturbed the couple to the point where, within weeks, they, they would leave their home of 11 years and vow never to return. So it just suddenly started. It just suddenly started, right? They had no idea where the noises were coming from, but they were coming from somewhere, so they set out to investigate. It was like a flushing noise that I heard first says Christine Tate from the couple's camper van that they now live in. They live in a bloody camper van now, right? I told Alan about it and that I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And he left his phone in the bathroom with a recorder on it to to try and pick up the noise. And then we could hear a machine running. We started to record all of the house and we picked up the sounds of chains, a motorbike starting and people screaming. Oh, God. It soon became apparent to Mr and Mrs Tate, both 62, that the noises were of a subterranean nature. Subterranean underground? That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. They appeared to be coming from the kitchen area. Not directly underneath the kitchen, but under the basement that sits below it. So it's like below and below. So eager to discover more, Mr Tate dug two 1.5 metre channels into the walls and placed recording equipment inside the shafts he created. I love stuff like that when you just go totally burbs on. I mean, <laughs> He's got to something from Poltergeist, isn't it? Is you know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's just like, wow. In his own words, the sounds he picked up included a woman screaming, sexual sounds, wow. dogs barking, printing press running, a motorbike, a car horn honking, and what sounds like a police sign. <laughs> he could make a story out of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the couple have hundreds of hours of recordings containing different sounds, all of which they claim are coming from underneath their house. Oh. Maybe it's like a portal to another dimension. Oh, what a I'd definitely stay in that house overnight. Yeah, I would. You yeah. know. The ordeal has upset them so much that they now travel around the UK trying to spread the word about what's going on in Ammonford. What? <laughs> they're going fucking. So how are they going to do that? They'll just walk up and, like, in, I don't know, in Pudsey yeah. and go, Don't go to our house in sort of dress that you have you heard what's going on in Ammonford. <laughs> Lots of noises underneath the kitchen. <laughs> in that no! S- spread away! Stay away from Ammonford! <laughs> I didn't even know about it before! I've been in Wales, you bad cunt! <laughs> I really want to go now, though. Yeah, I don't know! Hundreds of people have been in touch with us and agreed that this needs to be properly looked at, said Mr. Tate. All I really want is an explanation. Why are there people screaming? There must be something going on. 
We've placed microphones all over the place because we want to prove or disprove what we are hearing. Were these noises coming from the main road? Were they coming from the park? <laughs> so well, two explanations there, isn't there? If you live next door to a park in a main road, you're going to hear it outside on mainland. Maybe from the sex shop next door, <laughs> or the motorbike repair shop on the other side. I heard fighting and screaming outside the pub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it could be a case. It's like there might be a drain. He's acting like his yeah. echo chamber. Okay. It could be caves. That's a good challenge. It's like caves. You know, something that, you know. But Mr. and Mrs. Tate sent Wales Online a key to the house. <gasps> oh, but advised us that if we entered the property, we did so at our own risk. <laughs> Despite being in a busy town centre, <laughs> the property lies hidden down a narrow and lonely alleyway. Mm, I bet. You know, next to the Golden Lion. <laughs> Let's nip down here, love. The fighting and fighting and bonking. <laughs> the street is filled with shops and other commercial properties. Oh Bar one empty building next door that is up for sale, right? Well, squatters are in. <laughs> the front door immediately leads to a staircase which rises to a winged first floor that is split in two. There's a room to the right and a larger sprawling room to the left. The kitchen sits directly above the now sealed off basement. <laughs> He's got bossy, hasn't he? These yeah, blood. I think so, you know. Digging holes in his walls. Oh. There is no direct access to the underground space other than down a small hole with nine feet of darkness below it. Why? This is mental. He's a fucking hellhole. Yeah. We left our own recording device at the edge of the hole for a number of hours. I mean, meanwhile... <laughs> Neighbours we spoke to were largely unaware of the mystery on their doorstep. The recording we took showed a single spike. Unfortunately, it was just us leaving the property, <laughs> right? So they didn't manage to record anything, you know? Aww. <laughs> now, by the looks of things here, you know what I mean? They, I think, I think they've probably not noticed it before, yeah. noises and things. I think it's a case that... And, and if you could ask me what I think there... Like, it sounds like someone's got telly on somewhere. Yeah. And it's echoing down there and acting like it's a form of reverb. A pub, like you say, a lot of shops and that people fighting and carrying on. Well, the weird thing is, I think, is, no, I don't know, because you, you, why would it be coming from below? And it's not just the cellar, but coming from below the cellar. Like you say, I like that a bit with sewer, you know, sewer things. Yeah. If you were in the middle of the fucking countryside, that's when that's that's what you imagine with that story, not town centre, do you? Town, if it's town centre, I mean, to be honest, it's noises coming from somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. It's not the paranormal. There's nobody revving a motorbike and having it off underneath the cellar. Oh, the machinery screams of a lady, screams of a girl. Print press running. Yeah. It's quite normal, kind of, yeah. in the city or in the, in the town centre. Men noises. talking in foreign languages. Although, what did they dig, dig down? And they just discovered underneath like a big factory floor. Because <laughs> it happened with somebody I knew that said that they'd had noises upstairs. They thought they'd heard weird noises and stuff. <laughs> and, and they noticed a massive spiking in the electricity bill. <gasps> and they went into the track to get up into the loft space and couldn't it be nailed down from above? Bloody hell. And when they managed to get into it, um, there were loads of beds upstairs. Oh. And what had happened was there were loads of uh, it were taxi drivers <laughs> work, working in shifts. Working God. loads and loads of taxis, 
You know what I mean? But the bit right running and shit is so like twelve hours one one taxi driver. Then he gets up and another the other guy gets an easy. Oh, this Victorian day bloody taxi driver. It's like Asian coming over illegal Asian. Oh right, yeah. It was Asian immigrants had come over and they took over and they had the house next door. They'd gone up into cell and put little tons of people in. God needed more rooms and nicked your lot. That's crazy. That's it. Going back to it with. Scary noises. Have you ever seen the haunting, the original black yeah, and white yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, Because to me, you know, you don't see anything. It's just the noises, isn't it? And that's that film scared the crap out. Well, that's what we were talking about the other day and worked with the sound effects. A lot of those were done by the BBC Radiophonic work, Workshop when it was Delia Derbyshire. Ah, of course. Yeah. So you did mention it in the last one. I need yeah. to dig into more of hers because it's. Well, not just her, I have got a little thing. I'm, one time I'm going to do like a little bit of special sort of study of women who sort of like got into that kind of things, but we were widely overlooked, you know what I mean? Yeah, Great composers, yeah. and it's like even now you look at film scores and stuff, they don't really appear. Yeah. It's, the, it's the men who get all the credit, and but we're really the women were doing all this incredibly sort of pioneering electronic sort of like wizardry. Oh, I see. <laughs> and it does, that does give you those sort of like the, the terrifying sounds, but yeah. I think here, almost in a weird way, this particular house, I think it's almost developed sick building syndrome in a way. Yeah. I think it's channeling sounds from the outside into perhaps even like newly opened pipes and tunnels underneath the ground, yeah. perhaps something like that, or, you know, there's, there's something that's happening. It's not paranormal, I don't think. Yeah. You know... I, some sort, you know, you go to bed early. You think, God, what's all that? Not? You know, you get out like, weirded out, don't you? If you go to bed at a different time, you start hearing <laughs> other people's routines that you don't normally hear. Yeah, so it could be just something you, you start listening and obsessively listen. That's absolutely right. Is yeah. that you got to, you know these? Um, I mean, I've had it before. I've had a couple of batches of really, really bad neighbours, yeah. and, and you—you know—it's not what you're hearing. You're just waiting for it to happen, you yeah. know. And you see, so you just lay there, think well, it's going to get that loud soon. It's going to get really noisy. What can I hear? I think I've got to tell you soon. Yeah. And you start going Billy Bonk yeah. Bonks. It's yeah. just like it <laughs> sends you. Up. So I think that's what's happened with these. They've, they've listened too much. They've got themselves like in a little loop. And actually digging holes and putting listening devices oh. about, then going around England in a camper van. Yeah, they're warning everyone to stay away from Wales. So you know, <laughs> get the nets. And you know, that's it. Well, these are people in the 60s though as well, so it's not mm. like they're only 62, 63. So it's not like they've retired yet. Yeah. They've basically lost the plot, got in the van, and off they've gone. Well, it's profiteer out of it. Well, you could have done Ghostbusters and we'll buy a house for a quid. <laughs> <laughs> the curse will be lifted. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they're in your van. <laughs> That at all. <laughs> How much for a shirt? Ooh, it's just. <laughs> Ooh, can there sex noises and dogs barking in your shirt? <laughs> Running off naked, penniless. Oh. <laughs> and then the noises begin below you. Yeah. I don't think I give a shit, actually. All you do is stick your earphones in and listen to Crack and Go. <laughs> so it is. Chops are good. Well, that's all going on over there at uh, Wales, isn't it? It's all kicking mm. off, you know. So what we maybe even that's too far abroad. Yeah, a bit closer. So why don't we have a nice little break to somewhere, say, 
Liverpool. Oh, all right, yeah. That's right. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got cursed by a gypsy in Liverpool as a kid. <laughs> what? We're on a school fucking trip. And we're all innocent, and there's a big tunnel in there. You go underneath it. I won't look at where I'm going. Bumped into a gypsy. She started saying, "I curse you." You know, the probably in Irish accent, which I won't do. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> so, curse you, little boy. <laughs> I'll send you blind. <laughs> Said. Yeah, she was saying all sorts of shit to me. Horrible. I got cursed by a gypsy. He didn't do shit. <laughs> Come on, mate. Throw some water, some water. <laughs> like you, <laughs> Yeah, true. He hadn't been blessed, has he, really? <laughs> <laughs> Only been one time as well. It's all a nice church. I can't really remember what it was, but it was yeah, a big church. It was a famous church, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. I think it's quite modern architecture. Yeah, it was really yeah. modern and that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But luckily, we're not going to go at the underpass. We're not going to go at the fancy church. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to a tiny house on the edge of the woods, Ooh. right in Liverpool, and it's this by Liam Fort for the Liverpool Echo. It says, the mystery surrounding an abandoned cottage near woods in South Liverpool is deeper. After a new sign made suggestions of a betrayal. Wow, this is cool. So in March, the Echo publishes a story about the dilapidated property that lies on the edge of the Priory Woods in the St Michael's area of the city. The cottage, which is at number 43 on Southwood Road and very close to St Michael's train station, has been prompting a lot of interest and discussion in the local area. We reported that the cottage was most recently inhabited by a man called Eric Mackay, who died there in November 2019 at the age of 57. He had lived there with his mother, Paula Marjata Mackay, and before that his father Arthur Mackay. So the family's lived there for a while, it's been his family home, you know. And while Arthur is believed to have died some time ago, it was understood that Paula is alive and living in a care home in Liverpool. An interesting cottage grew substantially as mysterious signs and messages appeared on the locked gates surrounding it. They included black and white pictures of a woman believed to be Mrs Mackay with messages from someone describing themselves as a royal servant. Oh, what? And the original message also warned anyone who moved the sign which was attached to the front gate of the house that they would experience 48 hours of regret. <laughs> wow! Wow, regret. wow, wow! That's some imagination. I like that. Of regret? Yeah. And while we were able to find out more about the people that lived in the cottage, it's not clear who's continuing to put the signs up around the cottage. So several weeks after our initial story, a new sign was placed on the gates of the cottage purporting to be some artwork by Eric Mackay from 1998. And the artwork included drawings of people, animals, food items and various other objects. But that piece has also now disappeared as the cottage appears to be getting cleared and tidied. But in recent weeks, a further image and messages were spotted at the cottage site, raising further questions about the backstory behind the property. The latest image pictures two men with one labelled as Arthur Mackay, and the new mysterious sign was briefly put up at the cottage which, with a suggestion that someone linked to the house was betrayed. A second man is pictured next to him with devil horns drawn around his head and a question who is this guy written next to him? Would you like to see this? Oh, cool. Good lad. Good research. Right, so that's the house. This is the new sign. Whoa. Arthur sat at her desk. And like some evil bunny devil man. 
Bunny. Well, you, you see the devil's all over white pink bunny. <laughs> 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 I think it's devil's own. All right. I thought it made him into a massive rabbit. It's What's with so, those other letters and stuff at the bottom of it? What does that say? Well, this is the thing that's a bit interesting, see. So it says, um, further down, there's a reference to Kanma, a name which appeared on many other previous signs at the cottages, at the cottage. The full message says, to Kanma, uh, knows Arthur was betrayed. And it appears that this sign has also been removed from the, around the cottage site as work to clear the property continues. The main gate to the property is now firmly padlocked and the heavily overgrown garden area has been substantially cleared. But the mystery of who continues to place these signs and messages around the property continues. God, is it rune-like, those letters? <coughs> they look a little bit like what is I consider almost like Cyrillic. They look a little bit like, um, and especially the fact is the N of the Kanma is backwards. Right? What was that word you just said? Cyrillic. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Russian. Oh, that's right. Russian alphabet. Cyrillic, oh, they always do know. it back to front, don't they? Yeah. But I, I've had a little look at this. I've, I've not been able to unearth anything. But yeah. the thing, one thing I'm just having a, having a little guess at here, right, is that um, the name of Paula Marjata. I know, I was about to ask that. What, what yeah. lady's middle name again? Marjata. So it's, that sounds quite sort of like um, Indian, sort of Southern Indian sort oh, of Russian. sounding, you know. Maybe Russian, you know, maybe mm. cases something like this. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a foreign sounding name, you know. Not, you know obviously, plenty of people have got foreign sounding names. But I'm a little bit worried of the fact that it's her house and she's still got it getting cleared. I hope she's not getting screwed over. Mm. But Arthur Mackay, I mean, this picture's really weird because Arthur Mackay sat there at, um, at a desk, right, at a typewriter, this, this character. And then there's another guy, sort of like, he looks, obviously looks like his boss kind of thing. Not the rabbit. Of, like, look, not the rabbit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the devil guy. But they've, done, they've put devil horns on him, right? And he looks like they might be sort of suggesting that he's the one who, who's betrayed him. Now there's even more letters underneath, which some of them are let backwards. And it says, so it says, Tukanma knows Arthur was betrayed. And it looks like Nunpian Predali, which is... What yeah. devil shit is that, man? But it's very strange, isn't it? You, know you can mean? be one of them, like, you know, you, you, with those signs and the publicity about it, you kind of go, you go through the woods, you go, you just get robbed by loads of scousers. <laughs> <laughs> just a trick, scouse trick, that's what that is. Scouse <laughs> trick. You know what they're like. <laughs> and then you get your phone's taxed and that, you're like, oh man, I've got 48 <laughs> hours of regret. Stop <laughs> now, man. <laughs> I think that might be the most positive answer really, to this. But I do love that. That is just so weird. Isn't it? I love the signs going on. I love that 48 hours of regret. That desk picture is weird. Isn't it? It's, it's very creepy. But so when, if, if some, that, whoever's putting the signs up must actually be not intimate, but I know the family. Yeah, because they've got the a photograph story. of him. Where have they got a photograph of him from? It looks like a workplace. Yeah. It all suited a boot down a work desk, isn't it? Even yeah. though it looks kind of staged in another way. It looks like he's making him write something as well, doesn't yeah. it? In a weird way. It's really weird. So it's like, we'll, we'll post these pictures up on our on our website and on our social media. Yeah. Stuff. Do some sleuthing for us, uh, guys. Uh, so we got, it's going to be at crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com. And at the Twitter, we're at crackandcove. And uh, Instagram, we're crackandcovepod. So we're going to be able to put those and put these pictures on there for people yeah. to have a little look at. We might be able to sort of like cast some. Uh, light on the exactly. event, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so you do a bit of casting, you lot, while I put yeah. my feet up. <laughs> yeah, we do enough. Oh, you do. 
we've been to uh, we've been to West Coast there, you know. Mm. I mean? We've been to Wales, been to Liverpool, and you know what? what it's not been very successful oh, so far. Has let's it? change course or somewhere. Go yeah. north, south, somewhere else. Happy. What's your favourite coast? I like East Coast. I do. What's your favourite? What's your favourite? I love Whitby. But I'm, I'm, Where do we go there? Oh, please! <laughs> cobblestones, <laughs> cobblestones, cobble paths of Whitby. Yeah, yeah. and them stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and Lemsters. And Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, please be Dracula. This, this is a story now that from by Dacre Stoker and J.D. Barker. And if you don't know who Dacre Stoker is... Oh, some relation. Great grandson. Wow. But he's a, he's a relation. He's like the... Uh, he's like the keeper of the, uh, the, yeah. the, the knowledge now. You know who Dacre Stoker is. It's actually a friend of a friend of yours. Fuck off. Is he? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And um, Bram Stoker claimed that parts of Dracula were real. And here's what we know about the story behind the novel. There are mysteries that man can only guess at, which age by age may only solve in part. That's a direct quote of Bram Stoker. <laughs> in the summer of 1890, a 45-year-old Bram Stoker entered the subscription library in Whitby, England and requested a specific title. The Accounts of Principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia by William Wilkinson. This wasn't a title found readily on the shelves or typically made available to the general public. The library didn't even make it known they possessed this rare book. Access was only granted to those who asked for it. Patrons handled the title only under the watchful eye of the librarian and it was returned to its resting place the moment business was concluded. Upon receipt of the book, Stoker didn't read it cover to cover or browse the text. He opened the pages to a specific section, made notes in his journal, and returned the tome to the librarian. He stopped next at the Whitby Museum, where he reviewed a series of maps and pieced together a route beginning in the heart of London and ending upon a mountain top deep within the wilds of Romania. Oh my god, this is ace. A latitude and longitude previously noted in his journal and confirmed again this very day. From the museum, Bram then made his way to the Whitby Harbour, where he spoke to several members of the Royal Coast Guard, and they provided details of a sailing vessel, the Dimitri. <gasps> That's the same one, isn't it? Nearly. And this sailing vessel, the Dimitri, ran aground a few years earlier on the beach inside the protective harbour with only a handful of the remaining crew alive. Oh this is a true ship, this it's catalogued, it's known. The ship, which originated in Varna, an Eastern European port, was carrying a mysterious cargo. Crates of earth. Oh, yes! <laughs> and while investigating the damaged ship, Rescue workers reported seeing a large black dog. Oh, God. Consistent with a Yorkshire myth of a beast known as a barguest. Oh, our old friend. Escape from the hull of the ship and run up the 199 oh, steps from Tate Sands Beach into the graveyard of St. Mary's Church. Oh, my God, that's true. Oh, it's we got every true. hair and pube of my body standing up on him. <laughs> <laughs> now, Stoker looked up at the church at Whitby Abbey looming in beside it on the cliff, and in his mind's eye he pictured the dark chamber at the top of the central tower. So he just kind of, yeah. that's where his imagination was running away then. 
Opening his journal, he turned to the information he'd written down back at the library. Voivode, or Dracula. Dracula in Wallachian language means devil. And Wallachians were accustomed to give it as a surname to any person who rendered himself conspicuous, either by courage, cruel actions, or cunning. So this was a recognised, you know, like yeah. second name in the Wallachian area. Four months earlier, at a dinner at the Beefsteak Club at the Lyceum Theatre in London, Bram Stoker's friend, Arminius Vambray, told him of the book told him what to look for told him to visit the library in Whitby oh, God. and the final piece of a decades old puzzle, a story slowly taking shape another page of his notes the name Count Wampir had recently been crossed out replaced with Count Dracula oh. and it all made sense now so for fans of the novel Dracula, the information above takes on a familiar note we all know the name. There's the graveyard, the abbey, the dog, and of course the ship. But it was called the Demeter. Ah. Not Dimitri in the book, but yes, in real life it was called Dimitri. God. Bram had found a blurry place between fact and fiction, and that surely put a, uh, a smile on the Irishman's face. But when Bram Stoker wrote his iconic novel, the original preface, which was published in Macmillan, the Icelandic version of the story, so it's there, the translated copy, and it included this passage. I am quite convinced that there is no doubt whatever that the events here described really took place, however unbelievable and incomprehensible they might appear at first. And I am further convinced that they must always remain to some extent incomprehensible. He went on to claim that many of the characters in his novel were real people. He said, All the people who have willingly or unwillingly played a part in this remarkable story are known generally and well respected. Both Jonathan Harker and his wife, who is a woman of character, and Dr. Seward are my friends and have been for so many years, and I have never doubted what they were telling that they were telling the truth. But Bram Stoker did not intend for Dracula to serve as fiction, but as a warning of a very real evil, a childhood nightmare all too real. And worried of the impact of presenting such a story as true, his editor Otto Keilman of Archibald Constable and Company returned the manuscript with a single word on it. It said, no. <laughs> <laughs> He went on to explain that London was still recovering from a spate of horrible murders in Whitechapel, <laughs> and with the killer still on the loose, they couldn't publish such a story without running the risk of generating mass panic. Changes would need to be made, factual elements would need to come out, and it would be published as fiction, or not at all. And when the novel was finally released, on May the 26th, 1897, the first 101 pages had been cut. Numerous alterations had been made to the text and the epilogue had been shortened, changing Dracula's ultimate fate as well as that of the castle. Tens of thousands of words had vanished. Bram's message, once concise and clear, had blurred between the remaining lines. In the 1980s, the original Dracula manuscript was discovered in a barn in rural northwestern Pennsylvania. 
Nobody knows how it made its way across the Atlantic. That manuscript, now owned by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, begins on page 102. Wow. Jonathan Harker's journey on a train, once thought to be the beginning of the story, was actually in the thick of it. Oh, God. Are they publishing it or what? The ra- this raises the question, what was on the first 101 pages? They don't know. Oh. So what was considered too real, too frightening for publication? Bram Stoker left breadcrumbs. You need only know where to look. Some of those clues were discovered in recently translated first edition of Dracula from Iceland titled The Macht Mitkana, or Power of Darkness, which is what it was going to be called. Within that first edition, Bram left not only his original preface intact, but parts of his original story, outside the reach of his UK publisher. More can be found within the short story Dracula's Guest. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, now known to have been excised from the original text, so that was part of Dracula. Wow. Then there were his notes, his journals, and other first editions worldwide. Unable to tell his story as a whole, he spread it out where, much like his famous vampire, it never died, but only slept and waited. Oh, that is so good. What is one of the best I've ever heard, man? Wow. It's good, isn't it? All of it. What a rabbit hole. That one, you know, to say it's real in some of the things, and then, you know, going on the whole thing is real, and it's yeah. like cut, and there's ones out in America, and like, oh, well, that. how's he got that book? Why won't he publish it? That no, the nubby's got the first 100 pages. Oh, the, what were that one? The Icelandic one, although the original manuscript was cut. Uh, That's why when they looked at it, he said, Oh, here it is, it's Dracula. It starts at page 102. So there's all this out there. Oh, that is one to go into, isn't it? But like I say, there's all these different translations all over the world, so there might be one solid one somewhere with a lot more in it. We don't know. To read those first hundred. I know, but what would anyone give? What would anyone give? I'll tell you what I'd give. I want to suck your dick (laughs) (laughs) for the first 101 pages. There, it's, 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 I, I, I've got a confession to make about Dracula. I think it's a garble story. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's a clean story. Yeah, I it's do like that with the, the, you know, because obviously it's all letters and diaries, isn't it? And yeah. I love that format to it. I think there's a pace there that I right enjoyed. Yeah, that. but I, I think there is a garble to it, and yeah. I think, I, and I think actually that's the reason this now makes sense to me. The reason is yeah. it's because it's been cut too much. Wow. Cut too much flesh off the bone. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's too, it's too thin. In, in a way, it's like the ending isn't a very satisfying ending for me. Yeah. The chase is fascinating, yeah, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's not like I can say spoiler alert now, can we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 125 years old or something. <laughs> but no, it's so I do, I think it's, it, it, I bet you anything, the original story would be an absolute ton better, you know what I mean? God, I'm hungry for that now. And the idea that, you know, he's there basically saying, you know, it's truth in this. Wow. Could it so be true? That's the question. The children of the night. Oh, that's it, man. I love that. Who's that? 
You're on quite near cracking coal. You've got fucking. We could have vampires on doorstep. <laughs> Real man. vampires. You know what I mean? Wow. So it, it shows that you, we, we, we were shying on. We were travelling around and going places. And we realised that some of the darkest stories can be on our own doorstep. Yeah, definitely. You know? So maybe what's worth it is maybe just even cast a little bit further out again. Let's nip back around this time. Let's go back back to America. Oh, all right, America. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is a bit of a strange one, is this? Because I found this story and I thought. And I had to read it two or three times, so what I'm gonna I'm gonna boil it down a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah, from this is a very weird one, is this, <laughs> right? And this is a story for by Andy Thebolt, right, for the Register Citizen of New Orleans. Interesting player. It is. So it seems to be a story of a guy called Gabe Caparino, right? Now I've not had a chance to look into this because this is something I've only just kind of found, is it? So I'm I'm gonna look into it a little bit further. But yeah. I thought it's too too juicy to sort of pass on and pass up. Go have a little look into this because he's almost like a little thing that's a little taste for a little tease or something, yeah. right? So after nearly a, a nearly a year of knocking on doors and getting tossed from the police superintendent's office and community meetings and follow-ups with various requests, the New Orleans Police Department admitted it failed to comply with the Louisiana Public Records Law. So the, what they've been doing is been chasing around. They want to see the report on this guy, missing person, so he's disappeared, right? Called Gabe. Uh, uh, Caparino. So they've put it to the police, they said nobody has gone digging through those files specifically looking for a file relative to the disappearance of Gabe Caparino, have they? Mm, so the police yeah. have been turning around and saying, you know what, well, we don't know anything about it basically. Yeah. They've been saying, well, you have, they said you haven't put in enough yeah, working into it, you know what I mean? Tried, like. And eventually Detective Gwen Guggenheim had to respond by saying, no, we haven't, we've had to admit it. Mm. Now through that admittance, they've had to kind of give allowance. So this admission allowed Prendergast, who's an investigator, right, to negotiate for a supervised search of the New Orleans Police Department's storage area. So he got, it, it, it was allowed by a, a local private investigator called Bruce Johnson. So on June the 4th, 2012, Johnson entered a dimly lit, musty room on the second floor of the New Orleans Police Department parking garage. And most of the boxes and files there were covered with layers of grime and old insulation. And he had to move evidence including sections of chain link pens and all sorts of stuff yeah. to get these boxes right. And the files dated from 1890 to the present day. Besides homicide cases, there was also files for juvenile cases and sex crimes and you name it, it was all there right. Uh -huh. There was not one single missing persons file in storage from 130 years of files. Not one allocation of missing persons. So no one went missing in 100 years. And this says something, right? So it says the New Orleans Police Department, which routinely tells families of missing people that people go to New Orleans to disappear. And that is what's happening. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you know about the stories and the histories of sort of like the area of like New Orleans, um, one of the cases which is sort of like it's quite quite famous for one of the other places not those doctors is it no vampires I know I've heard this story before it was the doctor his wife and the young son if I'm not mistaken oh yes yeah oh yeah well these, these I think that's not the only one but, because what they're saying as well is do you know like during the, the floods and stuff and yeah, yeah. when everything went oh, yeah. 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 and there were scenes there of absolute mayhem 
but there was reports of people saying that vampires were out and about, sort of thing. My the God! And like again, he's flooded the old catacombs and you know, flushed them out. Flushed things out. It's like, wow. it's this, but this is the thing. But the idea of a police department where people go missing with frightening regularity, mm. not having any, not keeping any records on missing just people. Let it slide. Just let it slide. And why would the latest slide? What's going on in New New Orleans that they're getting away with this? Well, vamps, <laughs> police. God, it could be like you say, Jesus. I'm just dropping just that start. one as, as a juicy little tingle yeah. on that one. Because but looking at that story again, we should do that story sometimes because I'm sure Anne Rice mimicked that on the uh, interview with the vampire. Yeah. Very. Uh, you all lead set, won't you? Yeah. At some point tonight. Well, what's his name went to New Orleans as well, I believe, didn't he? Um, Count of San Germain. Oh, yeah, a fascinating story. Yeah, yeah really. We're good. Gonna, definitely going to cover that yeah, sometime. Yeah. I can do a special on oh, that. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's uh, and he, he frequented New Orleans. Did also. He? Now, if it, I mean, obviously, you appears again and again and again through history. Anybody isn't really aware of the Count of San Germain. Mm. But he, he was never seen, to, um, never seen to eat. Yeah. He yeah. would only drink red wine. Wow. Um, and people were seeing him around who, you know, like an 80 odd year old man had met him when he was 12 or something yeah. and he saw him as exactly the same so. a, a little girl as well, uh, like someone really yeah. famous who like royal blood you know, saw him as a kid and then as a, you know, an old woman Yeah. You know, another case, yeah. very very mysterious characters the Count of San Jose and even the, even the way he was purportedly died was ridiculous it was just yeah. sort of like, I think it was a, a, a ship that was meant to come off from the ship and swam ashore uh, after a ship had crashed, which uh, again, yeah. we, I think I think he died of exposure or something like this, or yeah. like of sickness. But even then, his death wasn't even fully recorded. Yeah. So there you go. He frequented New Orleans at times. Wow. And, so you never know what's going on down there in the deep south. Yeah. I'd love to be able to do that accent because it's just comical. <laughs> 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 I'm, not, I'm not going. Or <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> There's something even worse. Yeah, there is. You know, yeah. but it's like we will follow this one a little bit more closely. Oh, please. Even more, you know. I mean, vamps. I have a feeling there might be quite a few little threads for us to follow. Yeah, there. I love that. Yeah. Little rabbit holes. Well done. <laughs> well. It's that time, Arky. Oh, I'm not already. Well, you see, for all that travelling around and stuff we've seen in this particular episode, you know, we've been all over the place, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've learnt a lot of things and we've sort of like, it's been a bit scary. Yeah, it's a bit spooky you know? dooky. Yeah. Love it. Well, what I think sometimes what you might need, perhaps, is to actually perhaps live in one place and never leave. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the idea of that. It's a nice place. Yeah. So this is a this is a story by um, it was narrated to another, one of the Guardian journalists by a guy called Wilf Davies, mm. right? And Wilf Davies, I won't say he's, he's the most imaginative of guys, you know what I mean? But um, he seems like a kind of contented character. Mm -hmm. And they have a section of the Guardian called Experience, so it's actually from the person's first-hand experience of something that's happened to them, yeah. right? And this is I've had the same supper for ten years. Oh God. <laughs> I could smack him round his ear. Really, actually, wait till they hear what the supper is. So he says, I won't do the accent because I can't do the other because I'll just turn Indian after yeah. <laughs> Sean Connery again. Yeah. <laughs> An Indian Sean Connery. <laughs> but um, I have lived in the Tafey Valley in West Wales all my life. 72 years. He's lived in the same valley. Wow. Well, 
so I'm a farmer and look after 71 sheep. My boyhood was spent helping my family on this farm, and I've never wanted to run away from it even as a young lad. This valley is cut in the shape of my heart. I once visited a farm in England about 30 years ago, and that was the only time I ever left Wales. Many of the friends I grew up with left to find work in the big cities. As a young man, I was offered a job in Scotland on the oil rigs, but I could never leave. My heart belongs here with the birds and the trees. I knew if I left, I'd be thinking about my valley the whole time. So what would be the point? All I want is right here. I have a routine, just like nature. That extends to what I eat. I've had the same supper for 10 years, even on Christmas Day. Right, do you want to guess what it is? <laughs> I'm going to say that, what is it Welsh rabbit or something? You know when you have it, is like it cheese and toast? toast? Yeah. He has two pieces of fish, one big onion, uh-huh. an egg, baked beans, uh-huh. and a few biscuits at the end. Oh, that's disgusting. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking horrible meal, that is. Fish and fucking bare beans. For lunch, if I, uh, I have a pear and orange and four sandwiches with Paste. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get him in car boot me. <laughs> right. Can you imagine this guy's fart? <laughs> oh, no. Every night he's having a fish, an onion, a big onion, <sighs> an egg and baked beans. And he doesn't cook all, he has beans cold, he just munches onion with skin on <laughs> and he just slips fish down like Gollum or something. <laughs> 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 Sat in his crackers. <laughs> he allows himself. <laughs> He has himself a bit more variety for his lunches. I'll sometimes have soup if it's cold. Oh, I knew it would be cold beans or cold soup. He's a wrong one. Yeah. What's he doing with them sheep? <laughs> it is when I go to the supermarket, I know exactly what I want. I'm not interested in other food. I've never had Chinese, Indian or French food. Why change? I've already found the food I love. It will be a job to alter me. My uncle, a bachelor and a farmer like me, had the same food for every meal. He had bread, butter, cheese, and tea for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Although he would bring out jam for the visitors. And it's whether it's Easter day or Christmas day, being a farmer means every day is the same. The animals still need to be fed. Feeding the sheep and seeing how happy they are makes me happy too. They never ask for anything different for supper. Oh, <laughs> mate, I want to kidnap him. You know, like that, is it, um, what's that Las Vegas one with Johnny Depp and Hunter S. Thompson? Oh, like the food loving. Yeah, I want to kidnap him and get him on these screaming, week-long orgy benders. <laughs> I travel the world and give him different food every minute of the day. <laughs> I just want to spoil all that. I hate that. <laughs> People might think I'm not experiencing new things, but I think the secret to a good life is to enjoy your work. What do you know about a good life? You've yeah. never left the valley. He says, I could never stay indoors and watch TV. I, li- I hear London is a place best avoided. <laughs> I think living in a city would be terrible. People living on top of one another in great tower blocks. I could never do it. Walking around the farm fills me with wonder. What makes my life is working outside. <laughs> Only going in if the weather is very bad. <laughs> so autumn is my favourite time of the year, with all the colours of the leaves. It's just beautiful. Cuckoos come here every April, and I look forward to hearing them. A lot of people, locals and bird watchers, come here wanting to hear the cuckoo, but they don't stop long enough. 
Sometimes they don't even leave their cars. This makes me feel so sad that I actually cry a bit. What's the only in you dick? <laughs> don't get to enjoy it. I urge people to get out of their cars and walk up the road to hear the bird song. I've had several strokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you depress him, man. He, kind of, he lulls me a bit with bird song and then he just goes back into it, doesn't he? Uh, once I didn't move for two weeks while I was in hospital, but my sheep helped me. How the hell did they? Shrugged <laughs> <laughs> him on, Sean the sheep, took him back or something. I knew they were relying on me to get better and I need them as much as they need me. I have recovered now and I'm able to do all the jobs I usually do. I never got married and it's not something that I've ever regretted. It just didn't happen. No wonder you just didn't bloody same valley on the same farm, never meeting anybody. Munching fish, raw fish and beans. Yeah. And I can say with confidence that I'm happy as I am. I am married to this farming life. I live with my sister. Like me, she had a stroke and she's no longer mobile. Fuck knows what she gets for lunch. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, you didn't mention sis before. I, I try to look after her as much as I can, but she needs more care than I'm able to give. She has two carers who come in four times a day, and they are wonderful. But just because I eat the same food and haven't left the valley, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't like to know what's going on in the world. I listen to a Welsh radio station every night to keep me updated, and I'm always interested in local farming stories and new developments happening in the area. Now, if you could go anywhere, where do you think you'd go? If you go in, we give us really shit like other side of Wales or something. Like <laughs> Ireland or something, right? Adventures to go to Ireland or something. He says, if I could go anywhere, it would be to the Great Wall of China. <laughs> oh, well, the, well, he's coming back to me now. The, the amount of work that went into building that is unbelievable. I've been a stonemason, so I understand the ingenuity involved. I, if someone offered me £2 million to move, I would tell them to keep it. Most evenings I walk right up to the top of the valley and I look down and everything looks small and far away and I feel like I'm on top of the world. He's a bit, I'm a bit love-hate with this dude, man. I swear. <laughs> just gets to the top of that hill and let's have a massive fart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the cuckoo, and he's just like, ah, big fishy onion fart. As a quick stroke, and the wobble <laughs> back down again. He just he's so proud of just not eating, you know, he's eating the same thing, he hasn't moved. Have you ever seen French Connection 2? No! If anybody has, you know what I mean. That's what a Benny would do to him. <laughs> Could leave you like that. Fucking hell, I'll have to watch that then, no <laughs> He gets him hooked on horse and then... Oh, I have seen that. <laughs> I'm making turn tricks at the docks and everything. I'm trying a lot. Yeah. Full rainbow. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. He made me eat his onions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's all a bit much for now, is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's all getting a bit dark at the cove in more ways than one. Yeah, so the clouds to... come over a lot. <laughs> so it's time to pack up our deck chairs and I think get inside where it's safe. <laughs> yeah, come on, get in quick fight rains. <laughs> so it's only for me to say now it's a big goodbye from me. And it's a big goodbye from many. See you later, guys. See you later, guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at 
Kraken Cove. Or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!